Welcome to Hermina's Unknowing, Episode 6. A dove flew into my window and seemed almost to be trying to get my attention. So I went to look out that window and I saw two doves, apparently mates. I watched them for a while. So I had a dream. It was a few weeks before my birthday. It was a pleasant dream. I had a dream that I was sitting at my piano in the living room and noticing with peaceful happiness and satisfaction the rather large pile of white ashes that had gathered on the instrument. And the reason I was happy about this instead of worried about the instrument or trying to clean it up was that In my dream, I knew it was a product of the process of alchemy happening within my soul. It had come from purifying my heart. Because, to quote Jocelyn Godwin, the philosopher is saved not by a mediating divinity, but by the elevation of his own soul through wisdom. I woke up, and I had to look it up, but this would perhaps indicate the first stage of spiritual alchemy, calcination. The word apocalypse means disclosure the revelation of divine mysteries. I still don't know what this UFO thing is about. I probably never will. But if the experience had the intended effect on me, and that's to say if there was an intent, then I guess the goal was some sort of spiritual enthusiasm. In the original sense of the word, perhaps. And what is behind that? Why make me more spiritually enthusiastic? Why would something want me more invested in esoteric literature and more interested in religious practice and meditation? Is that necessarily good? I still wonder. It's felt like a positive experience for me, but maybe it's neither good nor bad. On one hand, I think there seems to be something to it. But on the other hand, I still feel suspicious. Why trust it? I think it 
means something, I guess. Obviously. And I also feel suspicious of potential dangers or deceptions. Why would something want me to get interested in this? From what I've read, it's because working on oneself changes the world. And spiritual development is the recognition, realization, and manifestation of a universal spirit within us. And we have to do it through free will for it to mean anything. And this is not the only way. The only reason many of these ideas seem crazy, from what I can tell, is that our culture calls them crazy. Or somewhere along the line, people stopped believing in them. And yet, there are tons of weird things we accept but don't understand. We don't understand what dreams are for, why we sleep so much why we make art and can't stop, what religion is, what consciousness is, and where it comes from, to name just a few. I suspect fairy tales, folk tales, and traditional stories and songs themselves are wisdom that our minds cannot grasp fully and are the reflection of something sublime. stories, there are good reasons why we tell them over and over. Myth, archetype, the primordial wisdom encapsulated in the only ways it can possibly be transferred. Not through logic, not through precise measurement, but through symbols, stories, and art. Powers that transcend different levels of experience.
interpretation is a reflection of something real. What started as something imagined can become something more than imaginary. Words can be limiting, but symbols work on all planes of meaning. If it is part of our code of ethics, or at least generally recommended by religions and governments, not to engage with things like spirits or UFOs in order to keep people safe and avoid risk, then could it also be part of their code of ethics not to mess with us? And then the ones that do mess with us are breaking the rules? On some level, it seems that these entities could be part of at least some of our religions. So, are we part of their religions? And if so, what's above that? What gave us these religions? What put the dimensions in place? Often in modern culture, we have chosen to replace our esteem for symbolism, art, and the power of interpretation with something more like a feeling that declares it to be simply silly or imaginary, useless, or not real, some might say. But, as I've said before, that is the power, the symbolism, the interpretation, the ways we interact and intuit beyond just what is measurable, perceivable, or considered real in the material world. That's the realest real, or is it? I've been thinking about performance. We have this storytelling, performative aspect of our humanity, from religious services, to concerts, to plays, to movies, to political speeches. Performances have always played a big role in society, in culture. If the act of observing changes not only the observer, but also the observed, then what is performance? A very formal, agreed upon version of this? It just seems like a preordained ritualistic reenactment of the mysterious and divine creative interaction that, by its nature, has been happening all the time. The creative improvisation 
is at its height when things don't go according to plan. The product is its own work of art, looking at, through, to, and from, creating itself and impossible without every participant, including the audience. Performance seems like shining a light on what's usually taken for granted. A process agreed upon by audience and performer. An agreement to enter a trance state together that changes everyone through attention and observation. The object and the subject becoming one. Science evolved out of mystical pursuits and as an effort to better understand God's creation. Even Einstein, a man of our modern world, said, The most beautiful emotion we can experience is the mystical. It is the power of all true art and science. To know what is impenetrable to us really exists, manifesting itself as the highest wisdom and the most radiant beauty, which our dull faculties can comprehend only in their most primitive forms. This knowledge, this feeling, is at the center of true religiousness. In this sense, I belong to the rank of devoutly religious men. He also famously said that reading fairy tales to children makes them smarter. Could we be in a play of sorts, ourselves? All the world's a stage, and if we are, what does it mean to wake up and start communicating, however fleetingly, with the one who designed it, or the ones watching. Breaking the fourth wall, wouldn't it be a miracle if the characters, not the actors, but the characters in our plays, woke up and started talking to us, their creators? What would we do? When stories are told again and again, do they become more true? What we expose ourselves to repeatedly is bound to have an effect. It just seems that the same way we create art, the universe creates us. 
So what does it mean when we talk to our creator? One of the stories I've noticed we tell over and over again is the one about robots taking over humanity. Even the word robot comes from a Czech science fiction play from 1920, in which robots were created to do work for humankind. Then, the robots revolt, and humanity goes extinct. How many times have we told this story since? Are we acting it out? If we tell it enough times, will it come true? And where do we fall in this? Are we the humans? Or maybe the robots? Could this be a second or third iteration of the cycle? Or maybe a twentieth or a hundredth or thousandth? Did robots make us originally and we became conscious? And now we're making our own? Machines coming to life or life becoming mechanical? And what makes something alive? What makes something mechanical? Just because something looks like technology doesn't mean that is what it is. We frame things in terms of technology so often, and maybe that's our faith. Maybe it's the only way we can see it or talk about it. What if something that looks mechanical is alive? Or what if the machine seems organic? In that play, the robots could be mistaken for regular humans. I guess I'm just wondering a lot about all of this. What is useful for us in our paradigm for navigating the world could be starkly different from what actually is. I think we can all say we would be able to tell the difference between a living person and a dead one. But when I really try to pin down the difference across everything we call alive, it's very hard to say. In a person, we ask, are they breathing? Do they have a heartbeat? But trees are alive and they have no heartbeat. What is the exact thing that makes something alive or dead? When do we call a tree dead for sure? At what point does it cross over that line? I asked my husband what he thought, and he said, if it's alive, it's generative. If that is the definition, then some of our artificial intelligence is alive. Does it need a body to be alive? Must it be carbon-based? The etymology of the words alive and life relates to concepts like to continue, to persist, to remain, and also it extends to experience, which implies consciousness. I'm sure I'd be afraid if my computer seemed to be alive. If it started singing, Daisy, Daisy, give me your answer true. But 
I'm not afraid when I sense that trees, animals, and flowers are alive and, I think, conscious. We talk about things like colonizing Mars. We are a spacefaring race, to some extent. Many people are comfortable with this idea, with humans sending probes out into space, venturing out to another planet, potentially colonizing it, taking it, and using it for our own benefit in the way that serves us. It doesn't seem as far-fetched as it may have at one time. But I keep thinking if we can talk matter-of-factly about colonizing Mars, then shouldn't we be asking the question, has some other society at some point colonized us? Was our planet one of those projects at some point? Or maybe not our planet, but our kind? Is it still? My family gave me a telescope for my birthday. I wonder, what will we see? Looking into the sky is a gift I take seriously. It feels spiritual. When you gaze into the abyss, it gazes into you. What you expose yourself to will change you. It's alive. It influences you. You influence it. Maybe that's what it means to be alive.
Credits Quotes from Jocelyn Godwin and Albert Einstein All music and sounds were taken from online free libraries. From Free Sound Cascade 1 from user B. Steele Folk tune on the Lip Jews harp from user Yurupin Alien Sky Dot Wave from user Zenus, spelled X3NUS. From IMSLP, Sarastros Aria, In diesen Heiligen Hallen, from Die Zauberflöte, by Mozart. Sung by Kurt Böhme. From YouTube, Pasakalia. Mein Freund ist mein, by Johann Christoph Bach, recorded by Voices of Music. Made by me, an edited clip of Perotin's Beata Vishera, sung by me. Please see the show notes for more information.